Thanks, guys. Tim, alcoholic. Okay, so there is a solution. We did the first half of the chapter last week, but uh, authors have not told us what the solution is. You're in for a treat tonight. Page 25, first paragraph. There is a solution. Almost none of us liked the self-searching. Step four. The leveling of our pride. Steps one, two, and three. The confession of shortcomings. Steps five through nine. Which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others. And we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, meaning recovered, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. What's the simple kit? Twelve steps. Not a mystery. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence, of which we had not even dreamed. So the fourth dimension is really talking about a spiritual awakening, a spiritual experience. It's talking about phenomena that you don't typically see, supernatural, miracle-like stuff. That's what the, the fourth dimension is all about. I think you can also relate it to the ninth step promises on page 83, 84. Your life changes completely. It does a whole 180. The great fact is just this and nothing less that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences. Note, bottom of the page, fully explained, appendix two. So that's on page 567. Don't go there yet. There's another reference to it. We'll read it at that point. That we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellow, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which, which we could never do by ourselves. That's a personal God. That's a God that is interacting in our lives. Not just a, an energy out in the cosmos. We ask for and we receive. If you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. That is the solution. And he said, there is a solution. There it is. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Often we hear in meetings, AA is not for those who need it, but for those who want it. I think you have to add on and do it. It's all about action. 
A certain American businessman had ability, good sense, and high character. For years, he had floundered from one sanitarium to another. He had consulted the best-known American psychiatrists. Then he had gone to Europe, placing himself in the care of a celebrated physician, the psychiatrist, Dr. Jung, who prescribed for him. Though experience had made him skeptical, he finished his treatment with unusual confidence. His physical and mental condition were unusually good. Above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Self-knowledge, right? We know what that gets you. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. So, of course, we're talking about Roland Hazard here. Roland Hazard is one of our um, pre-AA characters. Uh, he's an Oxford Group member, and he's actually who brought the message to Ebby Thatcher, who ultimately brings it to Bill. So you could say that he's a very important link, linchpin to the beginning of our uh, AA um, calendar. And uh, Dr. he actually went to see Dr. Jung in 1926. He went to uh, Zurich, Switzerland, and was treated by him there. Did not get sober from it, came back to the States, you know, failed yet again. Uh, ends up going back in 31, goes back again in 34. Sometime, Roland Hazard, sometime between 31 and 34, he gets sober through the Oxford group. So he returns to, he returned to this doctor whom he admired and asked him point blank why he could not recover. He wished above all things to regain self-control, meaning self-will. He seemed quite rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems. This is the tricky part we talked about. Self-will did work for him in other areas of his life. So why won't it work for alcohol? This is, it. this is the thing that's going on in his head. Yet he had no control whatever over alcohol. Why was this? He begged the doctor to tell him the whole truth, and he got it. In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. He could never regain his position in society, and he would have to place himself under lock and key or hire a bodyguard if he expected to live long. That was a great physician's opinion. But this man still lives and is a free man. He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. He can go anywhere on this earth where other free men may go without disaster provided he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. You could, you could describe the attitude in many different ways. I happen to think it's God-centered attitude, a higher power-centered life rather than a self-centered life. That's really what we're talking about. That's a psychic change. It's changing the way you look at the world from one way of what you can get out of it to what you can give to it. Some of our alcoholic readers may think they can do without spiritual help. Let us tell you the rest of the conversation our friend had with his doctor. The doctor said, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. 
Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. That sounds like the gift of desperation to me. So he was hopeless on the other page, key ingredient. Now we have the gift of desperation. He said to the doctor, is there no exception? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. I underline that. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side. That's a psychic change. And a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. In fact, I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. With many individuals, the methods which I employed are successful, but I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. So what's Dr. Jung saying? He says here, with many individuals, the methods which I employed are successful. How do we define that patient? Non-alcoholic. Because if the doctor was able to help them, that's human aid. It's our definition, no one else's. And uh, I got to the uh, note there. Did I, did I read the very end? Yes, alcohol, your description. Note. So now, bottom of the page for amplification, we're going to go to appendix, appendix two, page 567. <clears throat> Spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change, psychic change, sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Who here thinks they haven't had a spiritual experience? I got news for you. We all have. If you didn't drink today, that is a spiritual experience. That's a miracle. We're beyond human aid. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. 
he finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Power with a capital P. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of a spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery. But these are indispensable. And then we have this quote. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. And um, it says Herbert Spencer, but it's not. Just It's an error. It's actually William Paley. And how this ended up in the book, in the, in the uh, spiritual experience. This was actually, this little quote was in a story that's been removed from the big book. It's in Experience, Strength, and Hope. And uh, I guess no one checked the facts that, you know, the, the, the writer of the story said it was Herbert Spencer and somebody just copied it over. But it's actually William Paley. Okay. Back to page 27. Upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. Silkworth also talked about this in um, Doctor's Opinion, that they realized that some sort of big upheaval needed to happen, but were not crystal clear on how to elicit it. So both Silkworth and Jung are saying basically the same thing, but neither knew how to consistently make it happen, spiritual experience. Here was the terrible dilemma in which our friend found himself when he had the extraordinary experience, which, as we have already told you, made him a free man. So he, got, uh, um, he comes back to the States and works, first he works with the Emmanuel movement, which we won't go into, but he ultimately at some point starts working with the Oxford group. And that's how he has a vital spiritual experience, is through their process of um, uh, uh, getting into the work of helping another. We, in our turn, sought the same escape 
meaning spiritual experience, we in our turn sought the same escape with all the desperation of a drowning man. Drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy reed has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given us, or if you prefer, a design for living that really works. The distinguished American psychologist, William James, in his book, Varieties of Religious Experience, indicates a multitude of ways in which men have discovered God. We have no desire to convince anyone that there is only one way by which faith can be acquired. If what we have learned and felt and seen means anything at all, it means that all of us, whatever our race, creed, or color, are the children of a living creator, capital C, with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. Those having religious affiliations will find here nothing disturbing to their beliefs or ceremonies. There is no friction among us over such matters. We think it no concern of ours what religious bodies our members identify themselves with as individuals. In other words, you can't identify as a group. This should be an entirely personal affair, which each one decides for himself in the light of past associations or his present choice. Not all of us join religious bodies, but most of us favor such memberships. In the following chapter, there appears an explanation of alcoholism as we understand it. Then a chapter adjust to the agnostic. So the agnostic is someone who is without knowledge, without knowledge of God, not quite feeling it yet. Many who once were in this class are now among our members. Surprisingly enough, we find such convictions no great obstacle to a spiritual experience. Further on, clear-cut directions are giving, showing how we recovered. These are followed by 42 personal experiences. Each individual in the personal stories describes in his own language and from his own point of view the way he established his relationship with God. These give a fair cross-section of our membership and a clear-cut idea of what has actually happened in their lives. We hope no one will consider these self-revealing accounts in bad taste. Our hope is that many alcoholic men and women, desperately in need, will see these pages, and we believe that it is only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problems that they will be persuaded to say, yes, I am one of them too. I must have this thing. And we're going to stop there tonight. Step one next week. Step one next week.